Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. Now, here's your host, Richard Carthon. Today's podcast is brought to you by Portal, your gateway to uncensorable applications. Portal is the DeFi platform that blends the best of Bitcoin and Layer 2. With Portal, decentralized finance becomes uncensorable, peer-to-peer, and trust minimalized. Just like the underlying properties of Bitcoin, Portal swaps move provable execution of cross-chain contracts to Layer 2 and 3, which allows the speed and liquidity of centralized alternatives with the trust minimization guarantees of Bitcoin. The transactions are much faster and cheaper than Layer 1 transactions. For more information, go to portaldefi.com. Again, that's portaldefi.com. And now for today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent. Your host here, Richard Carthon. And today I have special guest joining me to talk on something I think is highly, highly, highly favorable for everything that's going on. We have Bitcoin going on a tear. We have the world of DeFi. They found a way to merge the two. And we're talking about Portal today. So we have the co-founders of Portal. We have George and Chandra. How are y'all doing today? Doing great. Thank you. Excited to be here. No doubt. Well, Chandra, we'll start with you. Can you give us a little uh, background on yourself? Sure. I started Portal in uh, 2018 after having spent a year and a half exclusively uh, studying Bitcoin ecosystem and also other chains and other projects that were going on at that time. The reason I came to starting Portal is that the glaring problem in the space is almost the entire progress in the space depends on Bitcoin getting to its final destiny as money. And to do that, you have to have multiple speculative bubbles like we've seen in 2012, 2017, the one we're in the middle of in 2021, et cetera, ending in the culmination called what we uh, uh, Bitcoiners like to call a hyper-Bitcoinization event, which is a speculative attack on a fiat currency, Bitcoin replaces fiat. But the biggest problem in that hypothesis is that the entire path depends on trust-minimized tradability between Bitcoin and other assets. You can't speculate Bitcoin against Bitcoin. There has to be something else. Right now, almost all of that volume goes through centralized choke points, which can be easily shut off, as you've seen with what India did, what Turkey was attempting to do, and many other countries as well, including China, and uh, maybe at some point the Western governments as well. A peer-to-peer Toro-like trust-minimized, meaning non-custodial cross-chain system is essential for the space. And that's what Portal is designed to do. And uh, here we are. And what about your background? Oh, (laughs) Uh, well, before this, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I actually started out as a doctor. I uh, went to medical school, then I was spent some time in grad school, about three years doing uh, research in biophysics. So nothing to do with entrepreneurship, but my I found my bearing in, uh, in Silicon Valley as a serial entrepreneur, uh, starting with all over the place, you know, medical devices, AI-related personal wellness tech, and then Bitcoin rabbit hole, I got in because of the philosophical leanings towards being sovereignty. Self-sovereignty, sovereignty in money, censorship resistance as a core ethos, and so on and so forth. So, If I remember back then, you were afraid to, to hold Bitcoin. Isn't that right, John? Uh, wasn't afraid to hold Bitcoin. You were, afraid, you were afraid to hold it because you were worried about government blowback? Yes. And uh, the interesting thing is, mind some, I lost my private keys, and I didn't really care much about that. This was back in 2013 because I was pretty sure that if the governments of the world understood Bitcoin as a direct attack on their monetary sovereignty, they 
just make it disappear, right? And I was pretty sure they're going to do that very, very soon. And uh, so I said, you know, this is going to be a field experiment with high probability. And uh, I was so wrong. And I'm very happy to be wrong. Mm. Yeah. yeah, not a bad thing to be wrong on. And here we are today. So George, tell us, how, how did you get here today? So give us some background on yourself. And then how did you become part of the portal team? I've actually been in crypto for quite some time uh, back when it was really just called Bitcoin. That was early 2013. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a friend who really wanted to get me into the space. He was apparently running one of the earlier New York City Bitcoin meetups and was also mining out of his office using the free electricity that was in there, just uh, you know, using the, the electricity server closet that, that he had and got me into it. I didn't understand it at first, but after I saw the price rise, I really started paying attention. That was like 2000, yeah, 2013, March, right? I'm seeing the price rise to like $35. That's when I pulled the trigger. I basically spent the last $10,000 that I had access to. It wasn't even mine. It was the last amount of credit that I had to be able to get in on this. I was certainly worried about what my future would hold and I wanted to have a nest egg. The most amazing thing about that years later is that that's what ended up allowing me to pay back massive debt. But I really got into this because once I saw my holdings continue to go up, I'm like, I want to support Bitcoin. This is, this is super cool. My co-founder and I back then created an exchange that allowed people, uh, one of the first non-fiat exchanges, as strange as that is, right? Basically, but Bitcoin to Litecoin exchange. Quickly sold that. It was to an anonymous buyer. We still don't know today who decided to buy it. Uh, but that's actually one of the beauties of Bitcoin, I think. 2014 uh, rolls around and my co-founder, a new co-founder and I created the first working Bitcoin debit card in the United States. That was a way to support what we understood to be a spendable currency. That's what we thought, right? But it turns out that the IRS neutered that. Right? In the US, it's not a spendable currency, right? You have to keep track of your gains there. And so with government overreach and the ability for them to neuter it in such, such ways, I met up with Chandra much later. Uh, we were working on other projects, but by the way, but we were looking at ways to protect Bitcoin from uh, nation state attacks. And it was actually something that, that we realized with Portal we would be able to do. And it first started with understanding what we can do to build on top of Bitcoin as a way to bolster its security model. And I'll let Chandra give a, a little more information on that. No doubt. So just to bring y'all both back. So you both get in pretty early. You'll first learn about Bitcoin around 2013, 2014 timeline. You see the potential in it and you slowly start to go down the rabbit hole. And then you both come together because you see that Bitcoin is a major solution that solves a lot. But to make sure that sovereignty is secured away from what potential government overreach can do, we decided to create Portal to build an ecosystem on top of Bitcoin. So I think that's where we presently are right now. Chandra, I'll let you kind of take it from here. Keep telling us more about, like, you know, what is Portal? How can potential people who are listening right now get involved and start using it? Hey, Cryptocurrent crew, this is Steve Miller, and I'm the host of CC Live, the show that keeps you up to date with what's popping off in crypto land. Every episode of CC Live brings you the latest news, keeps you updated on the top projects, and decrypts everything you need to know to get ahead in the wild world of Web3. So if you really want to stay Cryptocurrent, join Richard, Chris, and I every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on YouTube Live. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to Cryptocurrent's YouTube channel today, and as always, stay Cryptocurrent. Sure. So Portal is a 
cross-chain communication protocol. So in the sense that you have, uh, let's say you wanted to trade your Bitcoin against Ethereum, right? You want to sell your Bitcoin to acquire some Ethereum. Right now, most of that volume happens to be in exchange, centralized exchanges, right? You need to send your coins to someone. You trade against some other people. Most of these trades are basically entries in the ledger of the centralized exchange, which eventually at some point in that just gets settled on chain, right? You get your money, et cetera, et cetera. Portal is a solution to a longstanding problem in the sense that if you have your Bitcoin, I have my Ethereum. If we both agree on an exchange and an exchange price, the exchange amount that we want to exchange, if I send you my coins first, there's no guarantee that you will do the same. If you send your coins first to me, there's no guarantee that I will send you the same. And this problem is called a fair exchange problem. There's an informal proof dating back to 1990s. That it's impossible when two parties are separated in time and space within a reasonable amount of time. In physical space, we take this for granted, right? You enter into a store, you give them your cash, they give you the good, you leave, right? The physical constraints of the space guarantee to a certain extent uh, fairness. The different chains that actually don't communicate with each other, right? The ledger state of Ethereum is independent of Bitcoin. How do you actually entangle the two? How do you make the exchange? And that's what an atomic swap is. The, basically, it is, a, uh, it is a solution. It dates back to 2013, 2014 to Bitcoin talk forums, but to something called a tier nolan swap which basically means you lock up your money. We both, you know, done this pre out of band, right? We met, we've agreed on a price, we've agreed on the amounts, et cetera. And so you lock up your coins in something called an HTLC, which would send you a PTLC, a hash time locked contract, which basically means you create a secret, you lock the coins up with the hash of your secret with the condition that you can take it after a certain amount of time or I can take it if I know the secret, right? And you send me that hash of that secret. I do the same thing with these other coins on this other chain, assuming that they're mirror images of each other. If I take your money, the secret is revealed. And because of the difference in time locks, you get to take my money, right? That's what atomic swap is. It entangles the two transactions in such a way that if you get my money, I get your money and vice versa. That's something that's native to the Bitcoin protocol. It's, it's what enables smart contracting to, to actually exist on top of Bitcoin. But um, I bring it up because most people have never heard of HTLCs. So yeah. that's why I want right. HTLC no, it, functionality, data script hash, these are things included in, yeah. And uh, exactly like George has said, then the question becomes, how come people don't use it, right? The reason is the layer one tier null atomic swap protocol, the way I just described it to you, is messy. It assumes that people just meet each other, right? No markets become instantly liquid. They don't materialize, right? There's intermediate that intermediate the market liquidity, like uh, a stock exchange, right? It brings buyers and sellers together because of the depth and the volumes and all of the rules they put in place and some security guarantees, the markets are liquid. No such thing exists in the protocol. The second problem is layer one swaps take a lot of time, right? It takes one confirmation cycle on one chain and on the other chain, which basically also means you have to pay layer one transaction fees on both sides. And most people say, oh, why, why bother? Why not just do it at Coinbase or Binance? Portal's goal is to actually simplify this all the way from the protocol level to the UX level. And so our goal is to, the way Portal works is it's a multi-currency wallet uh, interface. It all looks the same, all coins, whatever blockchain they're on that are supported look the same. When you try to swap one to another, what the client software does, it actually constructs these specific kinds of transactions, broadcasts it out to a network, there's any take. It looks like a regular centralized exchange order book, except that nobody's in control or in custody of anybody's coins during this. However, there's an incentive in band for an entity called a facilitator to actually facilitate intermediating these markets, meaning you can be a facilitator, right? Uh, you bring these people together, you route the orders appropriately to each other, you set the premiums, you set the prices, you broadcast the uh, pricing information. And so why would you do that? Because you actually get paid 
when successful swaps happen in Citadel Chain. So one of the output addresses is yours. So it, it, it solves three problems. One is it removes something called a free option problem, which is standard tier null and swap. It removes the liquidity griefing attack. It mitigates the liquidity griefing attack for the other party. And then it incentivizes third parties. Twenty thing, people throw up their hands in the air and, and just hand wave and say, oh, let's assume there's incentives for people to create the system. And there are strong incentives. Nobody's in control of your currency until these transactions happen. Nobody is a custodian. Plus, because most of these transactions happen at layer two, the fees and transaction delays are minimal compared to settling all of these transactions on layer one. So a good mental model, think about our analogy to think about is Lightning is a peer-to-peer network for microtransactions, right? Basically, that means all the orders that are routed through the Lightning nodes from, you know, node to node, to Carol, to Bob, et cetera, et cetera. They're unsettled, unbroadcast transactions that the blockchain doesn't know about until someone closes the channel. Same thing here. Lightning uses something else other than NHTLC, but you could think about, you can reason about in similar ways. They're a little different, the signature, you know, the sizes are a little bit smaller if you use hashes of secrets versus actual signatures from different public keys and so on. But the model is the same. Think of it as a peer-to-peer network, a layer two network for intermediating cross-chain transactions, whether they are swaps, whether they're options, so on and so forth. Lightning is designed to do one thing, which is micropayments. So this is another thing. It's a different layer two system. So basically, you you found a way to build layer two on top of the Bitcoin ecosystem, you still have everything very secure. You have it to where there's still not a central authority that for everything it has to flow yes. through. And you still even found a way to provide liquidity by having these facilitators that will go and technically add liquidity to uh, some of these pairs and they get some of the... Um, noise to actually... Mm-hmm. They, said they get to set their own fees. It's a competitive fee market. They get to set their own fees. Initially, I'm assuming that the fees wouldn't be that competitive if there's only one or two facilitators. But uh, as the as the like in any other market, the profit is driven to the equilibrium, right? To the cost. So marginal cost will tend towards marginal marginal profit tends towards marginal cost. So as more and more facilitators do this, the liquidity will increase and the user fees will come down. Yeah. So with that, and and, and George as you can kind of speak to that. So there's a lot of moving elements of what makes Portal as great as it does. So we're in it going anywhere from literally creating layer two on top of Bitcoin, which is amazing in itself without having to use lightning and everything else. Highly secure facilitators who can provide liquidity and get profits on that. And I'm sure there's even more elements to this, but as you're like continuing to build out Portal, like what are some of the other things that you think as we get more people understanding how to use this this user interface because right that's that's usually one of the biggest hurdles just like you announced like why wouldn't people come through coinbase or why wouldn't people come through some of these other exchanges and come directly to portal to utilize these various services that y'all been able to put together right so those are the gold standard right like the centralized exchanges the ease of usability the frictionlessness those you have to beat no matter how secure your process is no matter how many additional benefits such as non-custodial, censorship-resistant, et cetera, you give them, I think the user experience, the seamlessness, the ease of usability should be at least on par with centralized alternatives. And there are some natural reasons why they will be. For example, there's not an account-based system, there's no two-factor that this, that, and the other. That definitely is required. I mean, we take that very seriously. Right from day one, we focused on not just the 
protocol level stuff, the engineering stuff, but the user experience as the driver of everything. Okay. More importantly, our long, sorry, go on. No, it's all right. You, you were in the middle of it. Uh, please. Right. I was going to say long term, Portal isn't just about Bitcoin versus Ethereum or Litecoin or some other chain. It's also about bringing the functionality of whatever it is that works on other blockchains to be built as either a layer, meaning a side chain or some other form of construction on top of Bitcoin. John, I'm going to want you to get into that right? a lot. Let me, let me just interject here re real quick. I like to work with a couple of DeFi protocols. I play around with Uniswap. I play around with Osmosis, which is DeFi exchange or DEX for, for Cosmos. All right, I want to get back to Bitcoin as much as possible. The problem is with Uniswap, right? Uh, the reason I'm using Uniswap, the reason I'm using Osmosis is that it's super quick to do this. I don't log into an actual exchange. I don't have to use my two-factor authentication. Web3 wallets are you know, really brilliant in the ability to quickly trade and get in and out of these DeFi positions. The problem is when I want to get to Bitcoin, I want to trade for something that doesn't exist on the chain that those DEXs have been built on. So for instance, I was able to amass a lot of Cosmos atoms, and it was time for me to now get back into Bitcoin. The only way I could really do that was to open up Kraken, log into this uh, centralized exchange, send them my coins. But that was first after having to use two-factor authentication to log in. Then I had to place a whole bunch of orders using their, their, their order book and pay a really significant fee if I didn't want to place orders inside their order book. If I wanted to swap directly, it's like 1% or more. It's kind of nuts. I see that there is so much usefulness with these uh, DeFi swapping DEXs, but they don't go far enough because they don't actually cross chains. If they do cross chains, it's problematic because it's not truly cross chain. It either means that there are wrapped assets that exist on the original chain that are then wrapped onto the chain that the DEX is built on. It's the only way to make that compatible. There are some other ways where, where once again, bonding can be used. Uh, it may not be a wrapped asset. It may be some a, a bit of a bridge where there's a federation that will be the party to issue you the correct asset onto the, the DEX uh, or the chain that you're looking to trade on while, um, while making sure that you're able to get that back when you're ready to trade back for the original asset you used. No, uh, that's not guaranteed either. So there are these, these issues that Portal is tackling in order to make cross-chain trade actually cross-chain while being as trustless as we possibly can. Yeah, I mean, you, you just brought up so many things that I want to go back and unpack just for a second. So what a lot of people don't realize is that each of these chains, like a lot of people use Uniswap, and what a lot of people don't really necessarily realize is that the Ethereum blockchain is your core there, right? So basically, if you have anything that you're trying to get into, typically you'll go to like a MetaMask or some of these other wallets. And then when you get into um, some of these other types of tokens that have been made, they're usually ERC-20 tokens, and then they'll be able to swap into others. But as soon as you start going into other DEXs, it breaks and you have to wrap it. So if you get like, you've ever seen WBTC, that means it's been wrapped so that Bitcoin can fit onto Ethereum's blockchain. But what Portal is doing is saying that, hey, whatever blockchain system you you use come as you are, we can work with you and we can still be able to trade in pairs based on, I guess, how your liquidity providers or your facilitators 
are basically able to be there, um, provide these margins at which you can then go and trade without you ever having to switch in and out of these different types of blockchains. That's what we're aiming for. It's awesome. Right. Well, uh, so so right now, someone's listening to this. This sounds like, man, this is amazing. This is awesome. I want to come use Portal. Kind of walk us through, like, what do those steps look like? Product isn't still in public beta. It will be uh, in short order. So right now, I would say go to portaldefi.com, get on the wait list. You'll get an invite to test the software and the client. Uh, we would welcome as much feedback as, as we can get. We love that stuff. In terms of the usability, just download the software, create a wallet. That's all you do. There, the software is modular in the sense that you can be a facilitator. You don't have to be by default, right? You can run a full Bitcoin and Ethereum node. You don't have to. This is not just a wallet that trades on, on Portal's deck. This is a wallet that we've created. A swap okay. node is actually integrated into the client. So we don't like to call it a wallet because the wallet, the swap node, all of those things are integrated. It's one client that, uh, that works seamlessly across. It has the security of having your own private key because you're, it's a, you, know, you get to store your own stuff. There's a lot more intelligence in, in the client, not just with respect to assessing your portfolio, but on the other side as well, when it comes to swaps being broadcast, routed to the appropriate facilitator, all that stuff. And there will be, the, the plan is to include more and more arbitrarily complex financial contracts, such as options, you know, Bitcoin options against other you know, stable coins, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not, the client is ours. The protocol is open source. Anybody can build a competing client with better features, more features. So we're happy if that happens. Definitely. And the big question I have here as we kind of like wrap this up is like, why did you choose Bitcoin to try to build this protocol on? Because obviously, you know, of the transactions, like as a base layer protocol, it's the slowest. It's definitely the most secure. It's all of these things. So there's definitely a, a lot of hurdles that you're having to interact with. What was it that made you say like, doesn't matter, we're going to figure this out and we're going to make sure that people are able to use the original blockchain that is cryptocurrency to like be able to facilitate all these different types of unique financial tools. So why did you choose Bitcoin? So we believe the company internally, because everybody works with us, is that Bitcoin is money, right? Bitcoin is the leading contender for an uncensorable form of money. It is it is trying to be digital gold and nobody is even close to the ballpark, right? In that competition. Other blockchains do other things. But if you zoom out a little bit and think about it, you have, let's say you're in America, you use US dollars as your currency. It is a unit of account. It's the medium of exchange. It is a store of value for the most part before they completely debase it. You would actually build all of your contracts, right? All your contracts are written in the underlying settlement denomination, which is the US dollar. All of the other complex instruments are actually referencing the unit of account, which is the United States dollar and so on. So if you have a money layer, it makes sense to build more functional layers on top of that money layer versus building another, trying to build another money layer for each specific function makes no sense because you're, you're going back to the barter system. In addition to getting adoption for those other things, you now have this insanely difficult problem of trying to create money, right? There have been so many attempts to build alternatives to Bitcoin to replace its claim to being a, a non-sovereign form of money. None of them have succeeded. I don't see anything else coming close anytime soon, if ever. So it, total, it makes total sense to build on Bitcoin. But it's very restrictive. It is not Turing complete. We all know it's a stack-based language. For a good reason, those trade-offs were made for a good reason. But you don't have to build everything on layer one. You can build layered functionality 
for other purposes. Lightning doesn't settle all of its transactions on layer one. And you don't need, could technically lock up a certain amount of Bitcoin in a reserve contract, issue a side chain for something else on the other side. Pick the consensus you want or no consensus. Do whatever you want. And then you should have seamless convertibility between those assets on that layer and the lock Bitcoin, right? and Bitcoin in general. And that's the atomic swap. So Portal essentially, our long-term goal, we enable, apart from the client, the swaps that we talked about, we enable building this many-layered functionality with a standard library on Bitcoin. The reason it fits well into Portal is all of those layered assets need to be seamlessly swappable, convertible into base layer Bitcoin and back. And that connective tissue is exactly what Portal is. And why, and, and so far I've told you about what we're doing and why it makes sense for us to do it. But why does Bitcoin need this? If you think about the security model of Bitcoin, it essentially comes down to what is the cost of a repeated 51% attack on the network, right? If that happens, then confidence plummets, you know, one of its reasons to exist goes away and so on. You get into the hash war scenario. What prevents that is the cost, strictly the cost. The cost depends on only two things, right? One is the price of the coin today. If it goes up infinitely, yeah, it's too expensive to attack, but that is not true. At $50 a coin, the cost of a 51% attack on Bitcoin is roughly $6 billion, give or take. $50,000 a coin? $50,000 a coin, it's about $6 billion, which is nothing when you compare that to the national security budgets of the biggest nation states in the world. That's practically nothing for them. Uh, Even if it is something, they could print it out. So the block space is limited. If you assume that you can't increase the price of Bitcoin, because that depends on supply and demand, it's not in anybody's control. And you can't increase the transaction fees to the miners per block because the block space is limited. What else can you do? You can actually increase the economic density of the transactions that go on layer one. And so that's what layered functionality brings, right? Instead of one transaction representing me sending George one Bitcoin, it represents an actual side chain, like a thousand Bitcoins locked up in a reserve contract and these assets issued on the other side. If there's a lot of economic value that is being created on the other side, which is that layer, right? That side chain. Think of a use case, you know, use your imagination. You know, is it a decentralized communication system, social media system, a data infrastructure, whatever it is. If that depends, if that creates a lot of economic value, that actually gets captured in base layer Bitcoin because of the convertibility, right? back into the reserve, uh, the locked assets, back into base chain Bitcoin, and that value ripples and flows back through to the base chain. And so now you have a way to increase demand and therefore the price of Bitcoin that is independent of just speculation and sending money to each other. So that's important for Bitcoin. And obviously, yeah. if it is important, we want to be the ones in the in the middle of it. So, Yeah, and sounds like y'all are putting all the all the things in place to make that a reality. But you both have dropped a lot of knowledge on us as we kind of wrap up here. What is the final thought that you want to leave with all the listeners here today? And um, we'll go ahead and start with you, George. What do you want to uh, leave everyone with here today? Dude, where do I get one of those sweatshirts? Oh, that's easy. (laughs) On the website, I got you. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, That's a really good... Except the one problem is that I live in Puerto Rico. I don't know that I'd ever wear a, a sweatshirt in Puerto Rico. It's too damn hot here. But unless you're inside, really <laughs> yeah. So when I get back to the mainland, I'll t- I'll totally wear one of those. Uh, For sure. The announcement that I think we want to make. So we are fresh off of a an 8.5 million dollar raise. Some of the big names that are in the round are 
from Coinbase Ventures, from OKEX Ventures, from Arrington. Michael Arrington and Arrington XRP Fund, the CEO of Bitcoin.com and uh, the founder of Tether, the founder of uh, one of the founders of Definity. So there, there are some really heavy hitters that we were able to raise from, but we are opening this up to the public. So we're doing a raise on Republic in just about two weeks. This will be the final week of, uh, of October. And we would like to open this up to democratize the ability to get into what we're building. If you'd like to find out more about that public sale, you can go to portaldefi.com and there is a whitelist that's there. You'll need to be on that whitelist to be considered for the public sale. So I urge you to do that sooner rather than later because it's, I mean, it's very, very overfilled. <laughs> sure. No, thank you for, for sharing that. I know some people listening will probably go and check that out ASAP. So thank you for sharing that. And Chandra, what would you like to share? I'd like to just reiterate, thank you for having us. It's been, um, it's been great fun to talk about things that we like to talk about. And you've been a great interviewer. I'd like to say, you know, when people say you know, Bitcoin is too restrictive, it doesn't scale, et cetera, et cetera, that's, good. that's ending. So I'd like to remind people that now it's just the beginning. It does scale. It'll look very different and much more broader than what it is today. So definitely. And uh, we're doing our best to make it happen. Yeah. And the, the proof is there. So for everyone listening that wants to learn more about you, what are ways that people can connect and continue to follow y'all's progress? We've got portaldefi.com. From there, you'll be able to get to all the different socials that, that we've got. be too long to list them. So just basically go Twitter, to portaldefi.com. Yep. Uh, yeah, Twitter, Telegram, all the different uh, communities. We've got the different communities, different language communities. I mean, there's a lot. Thankfully, Excellent. Got the, uh, the, the, the traction and desire from the community to build all of those things. So uh, hope to see you there. No doubt. Well, again, thank you so much for both of you for spending time with us, George, Chandra. It's been an absolute pleasure. And of course, for everyone listening, stay CryptoCurrent. Hey, CryptoCurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from JTR2424. Excellent content. Great show for people to learn details about what's happening in crypto today. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.